You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to Heritage Radio Network On Tour, presented by Le Creuset. I'm Mike Hewitt from Recruit, Retain, Relax. Today we're broadcasting live from HRN Podcast Lounge at Feast Portland. Uh, We want to thank our supporters, Le Creuset, Travel Portland, Salt and Straw, and the Julia Child Foundation for making our coverage possible. Nice and rainy. This is the kind of Portland I was looking for. Uh, The first couple days, not so much, but today we got it. It's... uh, muddy and rainy. So today I am honored, uh, privilege of having Brad Mayer, Senior VP of Marketing for Precept Wines. Anybody in the crowd here, does anyone know what a Precept is? No, you don't. Uh, well, uh, Precept Wines actually is the largest privately owned wine company in the Northwest. And Precept, by definition, is a rule or principle Uh, prescribing a particular course of action or conduct. So if you want to know a little bit about uh, this company culture, I'll read you pretty much their guiding principles. Wine without character isn't worth drinking. First one. Wine improves the quality of life. Anyone anyone agree on that one? Thank you. Quality of life. Uh, Wine reflects the people who make it. Right? These are the three guiding principles. Uh, which I think is pretty cool. I, I want to work here, actually. Um, Brad, tell us a little bit about Precept. Awesome. Thank you. So, um, as you mentioned, Precept Wine is the largest privately held wine company in the Northwest. We're also the 13th largest wine company in the United States. Um, and we are committed to vine-to-bottle production. So, we own vineyards and wineries in Washington, Oregon, Idaho, and New Mexico. And we produce a variety of different wines in those locations. Everything from Washington Cabernet to Oregon Pinot Noir to New Mexico sparkling wine. And I have a few of those here for us to taste today. I love it. I see that and now I'm excited. Um, What are we going to taste today? So first one we're going to taste is a wine called Gruet. um, And it is actually produced in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Nice. um, Which is a pretty unique place to be producing wine. Um, but it is a really interesting story. The winery was founded in uh, the 1980s by a French family that owns a champagne house in the Champagne region of France. Um, they were looking to open a domestic winery in the United States. They went to Napa, and it was too expensive the to land at that time. So they decided on New Mexico, where the terroir and the climate and the altitude were ideal for growing Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, which are the two principal grapes in sparkling wine. Nice. Very so, good. Should we give it a try? I think we should. Awesome. I think we should. Anyone jealous? Anyone want to try? I'm jealous. <laughs> I see you're having Salt and Straw, one of our sponsors, so I think that could be a good tasting, a uh, little pairing. Here we go. 
Yay. Favorite sound. <laughs> <laughs> so today I am pouring um, Gruet Brut. Um, this is our best-selling uh, wine in our sparkling wine lineup from Gruet. It is 75% Chardonnay, 25% Pinot Noir. It's all method champenoise, so that means that the second fermentation takes place inside the bottle. And um, though all of our sparkling wines are entourage for a minimum of 18 months. And what that means is when it's on entourage and developing that second fermentation, that's what creates that brioche, toasty, pastry character that you often get when you drink champagne. Very nice. I'm actually glad that you brought these wines and we're talking about grapes as well. Um, I also wanted to touch a little bit on the business side sure. uh, for our listeners, just to get a, a little bit more an idea of the company. Um, and I wanted to start off with technology, right? Yeah. Um, as far as how uh, technology affects the way you can market these wines. Sure. So um, we really try to embrace technology um, as much as we can uh, in communicating our wines with consumers. Um, so social media has become a really big aspect for um, technology and how we use it. Um, it's really nice because wine is a very social um Thing to do. Yeah. It's about connecting with other people. And so the more we can connect with others um, and find out how they're using our wines, where they're drinking our wines, exactly. um, the better it is. Absolutely. Um, as far as ordering wines, and this maybe is just out of the box, but yeah. there's been some news lately, um, even people you know, with drinks, right, being able to order them via text, kind of you know, skipping over that middle person. Do you ever see that so, an opportunity? Well, we are, because we are a winery and we have tasting rooms and wineries, so we do sell direct to consumer. So we do have a very robust uh, wine club program um, at most of our winery, at all of our wineries actually, uh, Gruet included, um, where we have people from around the country that uh, get shipments of our wines uh, several times a year, uh, including wines that we do that are exclusive to the tasting room and wine club. Nice. So that's all done, um, you know, we you can order all of our wines online, including the exclusive wines that we do. We have a program where we push out text messages nice. and emails to people um, where they can go on and order our wines and take advantage of a lot of specials. That That's we great. Too. It makes sense. Obviously, it's on trend with the, what people say, that death of brick and mortar, right? Where people Absolutely. are really just chilling at home. I want to order some wine. Where do I get it? And this is another outlet, so that's great. Absolutely. And we, um, the one other thing is I would say is we also partner with a few uh, food delivery services as well. So the, some of the food delivery programs that nice. are out there, uh, we partner with them so they're delivering our wines at cool. the same time. So moving on to packaging, I just want to get a, an idea of everyone that's here. Uh, I know there's at least one of you here that have you know, gone to a wine store and really just stopped at a bottle just because of the label, right? Like, wow, that label is so cool. I don't even know what wine this is. I'm buying it. Um, how does packaging, you know, traditional versus innovative, you know, play in for you guys? Obviously, you know, the cans versus yep. the big bottles, right? That's been a big with house wine, for yep. example, one of your brands. Yep. How do um, how do you feel about that? Um, packaging is really important, both I think in terms of the label um, and also in terms of the actual package itself, whether it's a bottle, a can, or a box, and we do all three. Um, we want people to make wine a part of their lives, and that means making it available in multiple formats for them to either drink at home or take with them on the go. Um, the cans have provided a really unique opportunity for that. I think um, you know people taking it outdoors or on the boats or to tailgate 
tailgate events. Um, yeah. It's really sort of grown tremendously. And so, you know, we try to develop our brands having strong personalities, and then we try to echo that in the labels and the packaging nice. that we present. And that kind of plays into the next question because, uh, you know, variety. Uh, again, they say, you know, as far as the millennial generation, being able to choose many different things instead of committing to one, right, where you have a big bottle format versus, let's say, a can. And I know I've done this with house wines. I'll go there and I'm like, oh, what a cute can. What is this? And then I get all the colors, right? I get like the, the five or six different varietals, yeah. which is in a way, you know, introducing me to other wines that maybe I wouldn't have purchased a huge bottle of. But now I get a little sample of all these, and then you can make your choice later for a bigger format. No, absolutely. Cool. Yeah, we definitely see that. I mean, actually, in our can wines, we've actually had a lot of success even with flavors. Yeah. Um, so the way Spike Seltzers have had tremendous success with their mangoes and uh, mm. black cherries, we've actually sort of developed some of our uh, house wines into wine spritzers that combine nice. natural wine with natural flavoring. Have you ever thought, or maybe you already have this, but like almost like a combo pack where you get a six pack or a 12 pack and it would be just a variety of the different flavors? We've looked into that in, uh, and with a lot of uh, club stores and, and other channels. So that'd be cool. Definitely. Uh, moving on to pricing, pricing and demographics. Um, how do you feel about as far as price points, right? You probably have some high ends, then you have some more approachable brands yep. that are maybe targeted to a different demographic. Yeah, um, you know, we have brands that are definitely what I like to call um, your Tuesday night wine brands. <laughs> um, and then some of your brands, uh, some of our brands that are a little bit more um, upscale. But I think one of the things that we do really well, even within a brand, so we have a brand, uh, our, a boutique brand called uh, um, uh, Brown Family Vineyards, yeah. um, and we have everything in there from premium cans um, up to um, you know single estate vineyard uh, wines and and everything in between. So how much are those that like the Brown Family? How much would those cans go for? The can, those are premium cans, so those are like eleven ninety nine a can. But those are again nice. you know fully appellated wines that are inside that can, so tapping into that that premium consumer. Um, talk to us a little bit about the selection, right? I mean, you have a big portfolio. Yep. You have Waterbrook, Brown Family, yep. like you mentioned, House Wine, Pendulum. I yep. mean, so many brands. You you have every you know a little bit of everything for everyone, right? Yeah, I mean, we try to, as you said, make sure that we have something for everyone's taste and palate and pocketbook, um, and we want to be able to give the consumer again what they want on you know their Wednesday pizza nights, but also their Saturday night dinner parties with families. Um, and I think all of our brands have a real reason to be and a real target audience that they're going after. Um, and so whether that's our Gruet sparkling wines um, or our Brown Family Vineyards or our Battle Creek Cellars here in Oregon. Um, all of our brands have a mission and a purpose nice. um, behind them. As far as distribution goes, would you say the, the main focus is on the West Coast? Uh, you're pretty much national. Yeah, as far so as all of our reach. brands are. All of our brand, we were, we're exceptionally strong in the Pacific Northwest, yeah. uh, Washington, Oregon, but all of our brands have national distribution. Um, and, you know, um, Gruet, for example, which is our New Mexican sparkling, um, New York and California are two of the largest markets for it. Nice. Um, and then things like house wine cans are definitely found all over the country, and all of our brands do have uh, national distribution. Beautiful. We're in a lot of restaurant chains and things like that as well. Where you can find okay, I was going to ask about integration yep. in actual restaurants yep. and if the, 
they have taken well to the wines. And is there any brand in particular that you feel excels in the brick and mortar, in the hospitality field? Yeah, so I think it really ranges all across the board. Um, we do a lot of uh, joint projects. So, for example, with Brown Family Vineyards, we partnered with P.F. Chang's to create oh, nice. a brand called Brown And. And the wines were created with their beverage director to specifically pair well with P.F. Chang's uh, Chinese cuisine. So we have, uh, as we do that, we also do our house wine cans uh, at a chain called Mod Pizza, which is a national chain of uh, fast casual pizzas. Um, and they sell our house wine cans, which are again, a perfect opportunity for that grab and go fast casual moment. So that makes sense. That's great. And yeah. it's a good intro, right? Then you're in there and Absolutely. then you can kind of push a little bit of the other. Absolutely. Nice. Uh, let's talk about staffing for just a second. Obviously that's one of our focuses at Recruit, Retain, Relax, um, the type of roles, right, that you look for, you know, for the team members to join your company. Yep. I've seen, you know, supply chain, regional, quality control, hospitality coordinator, yep. a lot of different cool roles. Yep. What makes, like, a good candidate for you guys? Who would be, like, the stellar, you know, um, rock star hire? Sure. You know, I think um, we always say a precept that there's two sides to the hiring process. One is the skill set. Um, and that's obviously really crucial that someone has the skills to perform the job. But the other part is culture. Um, and Precept, as you sort of mentioned in the intro, has a really strong culture. We're super entrepreneurial. Um, we uh, roll up our sleeves, we get the job done. We have a lot of passion for what we do. Um, we call it having a certain sort of mojo um, at Precept. And nice. I think that's the other part that we really look for in hiring. That's great. What, um, what sources do you use as far as like finding your people? What would be like, you know, some people more go guerrilla style. They'll go specifically maybe to restaurant groups or wine, uh, you know. Sure. I think it depends on the position. Um, we, um, you know, we, re we sometimes rely on our distributor partners to tell us um, about good people that they see out there. We have a really robust internship program oh, nice. um, where we uh, develop a lot of our interns that come and work for us. And we often look to them. Uh, as one of the first stops when we're making hires. Um, and then also just looking out across the rest of the wine community for, for folks. We actually also obviously use some of the online tools like winejobs.com and other places. Nice. So. Um, kind of a quick round of, uh, of questions, right? Okay. They, some of these are just one-word one answers. Awesome. But you can just go wild on them. You got um, it. Harvest Dream Location. You have to go harvest picture. You're 22, 23. You got you know a couple months. You want to go pick the harvest somewhere in the world. Where would you recommend? Um, yikes! That's a that's a that's a. It could be your own experience. Yeah. It could be something you. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think. Um, before I was at Precept, I was on the import side of the business, and so there's certainly a lot of amazing places um, around the world. I love Mendoza, Argentina, um, and harvesting Malbec high in the Andes Mountains is really spectacular. Nice. Um, but I actually also have to say, right here in Oregon, the Willamette Valley is beautiful. We're actually just uh, getting ready to start harvest here, yeah. and it doesn't September. rain like this all the time, and so <laughs> this is a great time of the year because it starts to be a little bit cooler, and uh, uh, and a really nice time to be out in the, in the Willamette Valley That's great. harvesting. So. It's a, I'm sure it's a great experience just to be out there and be part of that. It is. It's a hand. lot of hard work, though. Oh, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> not a vacation. Yeah. You think, oh, I'm just going to be drinking, hanging out. No. Yeah, yeah. no, definitely. Nice. Um, Rosé. 
uh, trend or here to stay? I think it is absolutely here to stay, and I'm really glad because I think Rosé has uh, so many forms and personalities depending upon the grape that it's derived from. Uh, today at our booth, for example, we're pouring two different rosés, one from Brown Family, that is a Grenache rosé from the Columbia Valley, and then nice. also one from Battle Creek Cellars, that's a Pinot Noir rosé. So two rosés, but two completely different personalities. And I think rosé just has a lot of versatility in terms of food pairings, and so I'm happy to see it just be a trend that people are really embracing. And I think you're gonna see it become a lot more of a year-round drink as opposed to just something in the summer. That's a good point. Um, yeah, we've been talking about that lately, about rosé. Is having a big moment? Is it going to be sticking around? Or are we going to move on to the next? You know? Yeah, and in our can wine, our house wine can wine, our sparkling rosé is yes. our number one seller. The pink can. Yeah. See, I know so. my colors. I got the pink can, I got the rainbow can, I got the, the white can. Um, as far as maybe something for listeners to, you know, maybe to learn, any new trends as far as wine go, any new varietals or any new regions that are going to start popping that we should start looking at for 2020? Yeah, um, I mean, I think the canned wine trend is going to continue to grow a lot. Um, and we're really excited. House Wine right now is the number one selling 375 milliliter can in the country. Wow, that's amazing. Um, and we're excited to continue to capitalize on that with um, new varietals and new flavors that are coming out all the time. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of interesting things continue to happen from Washington State. There's a lot of value in Washington, and yeah. so I think that's going to be an area that's going to continue to grow a lot. And sparkling wine, I think, um, is going to continue to have its moment. I think people discover sparkling wine through Prosecco, which is great, uh, but then we love to get them hooked on things like Method Champenois from Gruet and other sparkling wine producers. Yeah, and I think yeah. people are going to really see that as a beverage that's a more, uh, not necessarily just for special occasions. True, true. I'm, a, I'm an Albarino guy myself, so... I like my bubbles. Uh, what can you tell us that's maybe innovative uh, or new at, at Preset? Maybe some, uh, yeah, new... Yeah, new wines yeah. or new policies? Sure. So we always have new things uh, going on at Precept. Uh, one of the things that we are um, working on right now is we have a joint collaboration with WW, or formerly known as Weight Watchers, oh, wow. for a low-alcohol, low-calorie, low-sugar wine. Um, and we're really excited about that. I think it goes hand-in-hand with the health trend that we're seeing really take uh, taking off in the U.S. today. I think millennials are, in particular are looking for lower alcohol products, um, and but they still want wines that taste really exactly. great. Yeah. Um, and so we have a, a collaboration on a wine brand called Sense, um, and we're also launching that in cans as well coming out this Smart. year. So you're definitely betting for the can format. Right? Yeah, that seems to be. we're going to see you're going to see a lot of cans. Um, cool. We see it being an integral part of the component for all of our our brand wine, uh, all of our different brands. So nice. I think it's a smart awareness factor where people you, the the acquisition price for a new client, right? Someone walking down the aisles, they definitely do a double take. Um, and at least it gets them to hold it in their hands and, yep. then, and then they make an educated decision. Right? Absolutely. I mean, smart. Um, what is the second wine we're going to try before uh, sure. we head out? Yeah, so the second wine we're going to try is we're going to drink local. Um, with Battle Creek Cellars. Um, and Battle Creek is our Willamette Valley winery um, based down in Dundee. And we're opening a tasting room here in the Pearl District in Portland uh, next month. Nice. And this is our reserve um, Battle Creek Pinot Noir. 
So it is 100% Willamette Valley appellated. Um, it is primarily from our three estate vineyards that we have here in the Willamette Valley. It sees about almost a year of French oak and it's just an incredible value. It's basically around $25 a bottle and offers just a ton of great flavor, uh, what you would expect from Willamette Valley Pinot Noir, nice Beautiful. berry flavors and, and really uh, You mentioned, um, so this is opening in October here at the Pearl? Yep. Exactly. Nice. We're really excited about that. We're, we, we love being able to have our winery down in, in Willamette Valley, but have a real presence here in an urban environment like Portland. That makes sense. Well, um, again, thank you for joining us today. It's, uh, it's been a blast. Um, again, thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network on tour, presented by Le Creuset. Thanks again to our sponsors, Le Creuset, Travel Portland, Salt and Straw, and the Julia Child Foundation, uh, making our coverage possible. I'm Mike Hewitt from Recruit, Retain, Relax. Stay tuned for more from Feast Portland. This program is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please... Join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.